Years ago, a movie came out entitled A Few Good Men, starring Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. In the movie, a soldier died suddenly, and Daniel Caffey, played by Tom Cruise, is a lawyer who is out to discover the truth. In the process of discovering the truth, he calls Colonel Nathan Jessup, played by Jack Nicholson, to the stand. And as a lawyer, Caffey, in his quest for the truth, begins interrogating Colonel Nathan Jessup. And he begins questioning, saying that he wants the truth, that he's entitled to the truth. And then Colonel Jessup replies, saying, you can't handle the truth. I was out of Jack Nicholson. All right, I'll work on that. You can't handle the truth. You want the truth? I'll give you the truth, he says. And then he ends up admitting his guilt. As we look at God's word, the truth this morning, we'll be looking at the truth of God's word in the epistle of 2 John. I ask that you would open it up with me, the epistle of 2 John, and how the truth impacts our lives. I'd ask you to open up your Bible to, uh, or one of your church Bibles to, uh, page 1,222. If you have a church Bible near you, page 1,222. And I'll be reading again this entire book, so be prepared. Now, it's, it's a short book. It's a letter. Again, found on page 1,222. I'd ask you please follow along as I read. This is God's holy, infallible, and life-giving word. The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in truth. And not only I, but also all who know the truth. For the sake of the truth, which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I was very glad to find some of your children walking in truth, just as we have received commandment to do so from the Father. Now I ask you, lady, not as though I were writing to you a new commandment, but the one which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what you have accomplished, but you may receive a full reward. Anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. The one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. For the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. Though I have many things to write to you, I do not want to do so with paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak face to face so that your joy may be made full. 
the children of your chosen sister greet you. May the Lord bless the reading and hearing of God's holy word. Would you please pray with me? Oh, Father God, again, we are so thankful that we can come before your throne of grace, that you have set aside this day that we may worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Lord God, for opportunities to lift our prayers before you and songs before you, and we thank you for the word of God, and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning, Lord, that we would be eager to hear your word and its message for us, Lord, that we would desire to obey you and to follow you all the days. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we look at this uh, second, this book of Second John in the Bible this morning, we will see that it is actually an epistle. It says that the word epistle comes from the Greek word epistoli, which means letter or message. 21 of the 27 books in the New Testament are considered epistles or letters, and some letters have, are very long, uh, but today's is, is relatively short by comparison. Uh, Pastor Mike's friend called this uh, letter a postcard in the Bible. I chose 2 John because in the 22 years that I've been here, uh, we have never had a message preached from 2 John on a Sunday morning. So it's for me as much as it is for you. Most of the epistles or letters written in the New Testament identify who is writing the letter and who the letter is written to. This letter is no different. First, we must know that it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, that prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as it were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So men did not come up with their own thoughts and ideas when they were writing God's word. God had various men write down his word for him, his, for us, his message for us. So today we will see that the earthly author identifies himself merely as the elder. The Greek is ho presbuteros, presbuteros. That's the same root word we have for a Presbyterian or the meaning elders or overseers in the church. So the author could be identifying himself as one of the elders of the church, or he might also be identifying himself as an older man. Most theologians identify uh, the author as the Apostle John, who was an elder and overseer in the church. And at this point in writing this letter, he was also an older man. So it might have had dual meaning. Uh, but, but why the secrecy? Why does he say the elder? Why didn't he just say, this is John, the apostle? Well, it's said that the letter was written during a time when persecution was a very real possibility going on. And so the author was likely remaining anonymous just in case the letter would fall into the wrong hands. But based on much uh, study and analysis by theologians, they are able to really know that this letter was written by the Apostle John. But, but who was the letter written to? It says that the elder who we now know as John is writing to the chosen lady and her children. Once again, there seems to be some secrecy or cryptic meaning to whom the letter was written to, perhaps because of the persecution in the early church. The chosen or elect lady might mean an individual woman or 
it, that could have been a faithful supporter of the apostle or the early church, or the chosen lady is a reference to the church itself, which is often spoken of as the bride or the pure woman. The letter here uh, may have been written to the churches of the day. It may have been passed around from one church to another. More importantly, we know that this letter was written to all of God's chosen people, the bride of Christ, his church even today. That means us. So the apostle John begins this letter by speaking the truth. If you're following the outline, that's the first fill-in-the-blank for you kids especially. There aren't very many fill-in-the-blanks. John begins by speaking the truth in love. He says, to the chosen lady whom I love in truth. Well, just like the Apostle Paul, John had a deep concern for the truth and in speaking the truth in love. It is one thing to state the truth in arrogance or with a judgmental attitude and it is quite another to speak the truth in love with a desire to care for those around you and be concerned about others. John was declaring his love for God's chosen people, for the church. John, John's declaration of love was not merely brotherly affection. He was declaring authentic and unconditional love. In another letter that John wrote in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 and following, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. John was stating that Christians are called not merely to speak the truth in love, but also to model that truth in love. Truth, or true love, is a verb, isn't it? True love is a verb. It is acting out the love of God towards others. John begins this letter by speaking the truth in love and, and also modeling the truth in love for the sake of the truth. But in order to speak the truth, John was declaring how important it was for knowing the truth. He was emphasizing the importance of knowing the truth. The problem of understanding and knowing the truth was as important then as it is today. Today, people are being sold the lie of relativism, aren't they? The basic idea that is being taught is that there are no universal truths in this world, just different ways of interpreting things. Many people will say, what you believe is true for you and what I believe is true for me. Others will say truth is subjective or our truth is in the eye of the beholder. But saying that there are no absolutely absolutes is actually a statement of an absolute, isn't it? Talk to those people. They say there's no absolute truth. That's an absolute. All right. It is said when people deny the existence of absolute truth, they often embrace a more tolerant universalism. See those bumper stickers, tolerance? That's not, that's not right. 
tolerant universalism. They, they teach that all religions are equal and that all roads go to heaven. This kind of teaching and thinking is contradictory to the truth in the, in the scriptures. The prophet Isaiah says that the Lord God is true. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 16, Jesus himself declares in the gospel of John chapter 14, verse 6, that he is the way, the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. There is only one true God. It is the triune God of the scriptures. God the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. The God of the Muslims, the God of the Jehovah's Witnesses, the God of the Mormons, and the God of every other religion in this world are false gods. And we can know that this because of the truth that is found in God's word. In the Gospel of John chapter 17, verse 7, it says, God's word is truth. All of God's word is truth. We can't pick and choose what we want to believe. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And if we put our trust in Jesus alone as the truth, we can know that Jesus will abide with us and will be with us forever. Jesus, or John continues in verse 3 saying, Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us as well. Well, these were common words that were used by many of the New Testament authors uh, writing to their audience. And, and, and as fellow believers, they understood the meaning of these words. Yet today, the true understanding of even these words have been twisted and distorted. The world defines grace merely as elegance or beauty in form and manner and motion, pleasing or attractive quality or an endowment. One might use uh, the definition of grace being those words that you, sh that you uh, say before you eat, right? Who's going to give grace? Another definition of grace is um, a girl's name. My own daughter-in-law's name is Grace. But this is not what God had in mind when, when John wrote this introduction. A, a biblical definition of grace is the unmerited favor of God upon his people. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and following, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The grace of God is a gift that we did not earn or deserve. Mercy is another one of those words that, that the world doesn't have any understanding of. It is God's not giving us what we do deserve. God's word tells us in Romans 3.23 that all, every one of us, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And in Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of our sin is death. The hard truth in God's word is that we are all sinners. As David says in Psalm 51, surely I was sinful at birth from the time my mother conceived me. And what we deserve is God's just wrath for our sin. 
that we should die for our sin and that we should be eternally punished and separated from God forever in hell. That is the truth. Yet God's mercy is upon those who put their faith and trust in Christ alone. Jesus, who lived a perfect and sinless life, willingly went to the cross and, and died for the sins of his people. That is mercy. The peace that John also writes about is also very much misunderstood by our world. The world thinks peace is merely absence of war. But we are all born for a need of true peace. Because of our sin, we are born in hostility as enemies of God. We are in need of God's reconciling love towards us in which he gives us real and lasting peace. How many times did we hear that there is now peace in the Middle East? There was for a few months, and then it's back to war. Peace. Only God can give us true and lasting and real peace. It's through Christ's work of justification that we can have peace with God. And, and John writes that we are able to have these things because they are from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. After declaring these important truths, John writes in verse 4 that he is glad about something. John says that he's glad or that he is rejoicing over those who are walking in the truth. He actually says he is rejoicing over some of the children who are walking in the truth. As you read that statement, he is rejoicing over some of the children who are walking in the truth. The joyful statement might not sound as joyful. The hard truth is that only some of the children were walking in the truth. This meant that there were other children who were not walking in the truth. God tells us that those who are not walking in the truth have no excuse. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following, it says that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who do what? They suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. People know the truth, and yet they, what? They suppress the truth with their wickedness. It also says that they do what? They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than their creator. They serve created things like the eagles, those Philadelphia eagles, right? We need to pray for these children who know the truth and yet who are suppressing the truth. And children are us as well, by the way. It's, it's God's children, it's people. We need to pray for everyone who knows the truth, yet they're suppressing the truth, and yet they are not yet walking in the truth. But John is not just focusing on the negative here, though. The Greek states that he, he is greatly or exceedingly rejoicing over those who are, in fact, walking in the truth. And as I was reading and studying this portion of Scripture today, 
it reminded me of the various kings in, uh, of Judah and Israel that we read about in the books of Kings and Chronicles. And as I was doing my devotionals, I was just looking at this. And when they, ever they introduce a new king, they tell you about how he walked and how he lived. For instance, in 2 Kings chapter 21, we, were, we are introduced to Ammon. Ammon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. He walked in all the ways of his father. He worshipped the idols his father had worshipped and bowed down to them. He forsook the Lord and the God of his fathers and did not walk in the way of the Lord. Yet we are thankful that not all kings forsook the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 18, we read of another king, Hezekiah. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. And it says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed idols from the land. It says that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands of the Lord given to Moses. Hezekiah walked in the way of the Lord. And that is what it means to walk in the way of truth. Those who are walking in the way of truth know the truth. They receive the truth. They obey the truth. In order to be walking in the truth, we must first and foremost be putting our faith and trust in the Lord. Psalm chapter 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. David, as king of Israel, was the author of this psalm, and he knew that as a king he might be tempted to be trusting in his own army and in how many chariots and horses and fighting men he had. Yet if he wanted to be walking in the truth, he needed to be trusting in the Lord and his army. And since none of us are kings, we might be tempted to be trusting in other things. We might be trusting in our wealth or lack of it. We might be tempted to put our trust in relationships. We might be tempted to put our trust in health or in science. Yet God is the one who fearfully and wonderfully created each one of us and knows our every need. And if we put our trust in Jesus alone, we can know that he will meet our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. There is no need to trust in anything else. Walking in the truth also means putting away those idols like Hezekiah did. Well, maybe you don't have those wooden idols or, or whatever, but we do have idols in our lives. What are, what are your idols? What are those things that you're putting before God? What are those things that hinder your walk with the Lord? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 says that we should throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Walking in the truth means continually repenting of our sins before God. It means hating and forsaking our sin. Walking in the truth 
means doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. We should not do what the Israelites were doing in the days of the judges, where it says in Judges 21, verse 25, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When a person rejects God as their king, they will live their life doing what they think is right in their own eyes. But God explains what is right and good and excellent and praiseworthy in his word, the Holy Scriptures. Walking in the truth means holding fast to God and following Jesus. It means keeping and obeying the commandments of the Lord. At this point in the letter, John focuses on one aspect of obeying the commands of the Lord. It, it is the command that we love one another. He explains that it is not a new command, but one that we've had since the beginning. When Jesus was asked which is the greatest commandment in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 22, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on to these two commandments. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, he says, a new command I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That you must love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. Truly loving one another means loving each other with our words and with actions. It means praying for one another. It means caring for one another. It means sharing with one another. It means serving with one another. It means mourning with each other and rejoicing with each other. These, these things are a litmus test to show that we are truly loving each other and walking in the truth. John continued to write in his letter of a warning about the truth. He shares an urgent warning about the truth. The warning is that there are many deceivers in the world. There are many deceivers in the world. The warning is to watch out for those deceivers of the truth. He warns that those, there are those who do not acknowledge Jesus as coming in the flesh. This isn't just the people who are anti-Christmas, all right? This, this deception was coming from false teachers who declared that Jesus didn't really come in the flesh at all. This false teaching was known as Gnosticism and taught that Jesus was merely a phantom or an apparition, that Jesus only appeared to be a person but really wasn't. They believe and taught that material substance is inherently evil. Therefore, God, who is spirit, could not have a physical body and have come in the flesh. And the Apostle John, he spoke against this teaching in 1 John chapter 1, saying, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life namely Jesus. The first warning that John gave is telling us that there are many deceivers in the world, and, and, and Satan is their father. Satan is always trying to lure people away from the truth, and that is why we must be listening to the truth, that why, why we should know the truth and obey the truth. 
but know that there are many false teachers out there who are trying to lure us away from the truth. Jehovah's Witnesses are going door to door trying to sell the lie of their false religion. They do not believe that Jesus is God. They will tell you that they believe in Jesus, but that he was merely a man. When you get mail, normally those of us who are adults, we hate getting those bills, but we, we like getting handwritten letters, don't you? you go, oh, ooh, look, look, it's handwritten. I got one of those. It was from a Jehovah's Witness. Bobby got one. She shared it with me. Beware of getting these handwritten letters from Jehovah's Witnesses who are trying to sway you to be a part of their false religion. They act like they're caring. There are so many false teachers who call themselves Christians as well, who are on the television or the radio, and they're trying to deceive many with a false gospel. Although John says that this deceiver this is the deceiver and the antichrist. There are many deceivers and many antichrists. The apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verse 18 and following, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the antichrist is coming. Even now many antichrists have come. Well, later on it says, Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the antichrist. He denies the father and the son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. The Apostle John's message of warning for his original audience is just as valid for us today. He declares in verse 8 to watch yourselves, that you do not lose what you have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. John is not stating that anyone can lose their salvation here. Jesus emphatically declares in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 27 through 29, My sheep, my people, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Apostle John writes in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It's not, I might have it, or I can lose it. No, Jesus said, if you believe in Jesus, then you have eternal life. John was not saying that we could lose our salvation. If you truly believe and put your faith and trust in Christ alone in what he has done for you, then he has given you eternal life and you are saved. John is saying, watch out that you do not lose what you have been taught regarding the truth about Jesus. As you are putting your trust in Jesus, you will receive your reward in full with eternal life with God. John continues with his warning, saying, do not receive false teachers. In John's day, people would go around from home to home sounding like the Jehovah's Witnesses, attempting to deceive others in exchange for hospitality and gifts. John was warning them to not receive them into their home. In 2 Timothy, Paul warns against people who have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. Paul says, have nothing to do with them. They are the kind, they are the kind that worm their way 
into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and, and swayed with all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never acknowledging the truth. These warnings are just as valid for us today. John is warning us to not receive these people. We are not to welcome them as believers. This doesn't mean you can't have a conversation with a Jehovah's Witness, but be careful. It means you should be careful who and what you watch on your television or your computer who claim to know the truth. It means being careful what you read and what you listen to in books and blogs and on the internet. It means that we should always be comparing what someone is trying to declare as true with what the scriptures say is really true. John warns that when we welcome these deceivers into our homes, when we send them gifts, when we turn it on, when we watch these things, we're supporting them. We are, John says, we are participating in their evil deeds. Well, besides John's warning, he also writes about abiding in truth and love. Abiding in the truth and love. He specifically says in verse 9, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. He is saying that anyone who does not agree with and follow the true teaching of Christ in the scriptures are false teachers and unbelievers. And the book of Revelation, which John was also the human author, Jesus states, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Today we see that Mormons have added to the Holy Scriptures with the, the Book of Mormon. If you ever go to a, a Fairfield Inn, you're going to open up the drawer, find the Bible and what? The Book of Mormon. It's an addition. It's a false addition. They also have the Pearl of Great Price. Many have, have uh, taken away things from the Bible as well, picking and choosing what they want to believe. Oh, the, the Bible certainly doesn't say that homosexuality is a sin today, right? Isn't today they say love is love? No. God says that homosexuality is a sin. We are called to reach out and pray for the homosexual person and hope they will put their trust in the truth. But those who really know the truth, know the truth that is found in God's word, the scriptures. They do not add to it or take anything away from it. Those who are walking in the truth are abiding in the teaching of Christ, which is abiding in truth and in love. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, you are the branches. If a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up. They're thrown into the fire and burned. By faith in Christ, we begin our unending journey of abiding in Christ. When he gives us faith, we are abiding in Christ and we continue to abide in Christ. He promises that no one can snatch you out of his hand. He promises 
to never leave you or forsake you. Yet abiding in Christ is abiding in the truth of his word. We need to be men and women and children of God who are abiding in his word. As adults, we need to be in God's word and our personal devotions. We need to be abiding in his word in Sunday school and Bible studies. I want to strongly encourage you as parents to have your children attend this new Sunday school class as it begins. They, the children have been out of this in-person uh, studying of God's word for a long time. And they need it. And we need to be examples for them. And if they're able, they can have another opportunity to come to Crossroads Community Church for the Good News Club. Um, Child Evangelism Fellowship is, is having a community Good News Club right here at our church because the schools aren't letting any clubs go there. It's not like they're stopping our, our rights to go. They're just saying no, no clubs. All right, so we're opening it up to the community. People in our community need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're going to have these good news clubs uh, starting on Thursdays after school, starting on October 7th. I forget the time, Brenda. 4.30, thank you. So 4.30, please, please be praying. Please tell those in your community. And they have to register, though, right, Brenda? they got to register. So please contact Brenda Smith if you want to get them here. This is an opportunity for our children and the children in our community to be walking and abiding in the truth. As we have looked at this letter together this morning, perhaps we should be asking ourselves several questions. Do you really want the truth? As Jack Nicholson said. Do you want the truth? Yes, we want the truth. How would the Apostle John describe your walk with the Lord? If we were one of the kings in the Bible, how would Pastor Dave became pastor, served at Crossroads for so many years, what would God say? Do you want to know the truth? Would the Apostle John, as he's describing each one of us, would he rejoice that you are walking in the truth? What about your children? Are you encouraging them to walk in the truth as well? Put your trust in Jesus as the way, the truth, and life. Let us walk in truth together. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you and we praise you once again for this day that you have set aside for us to gather and worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for your word and we thank you for this letter written by the Apostle John. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you'd help us to reflect upon it and to apply it to our lives, that we would desire, Lord, to, to know you and to walk in truth. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.